and it just builds on itself in this like really amazing way oh yeah by the time you're like running around jumping throwing grenades everybody's alerted they're shooting at you it's just like then a fucking electric guitar kicks in because a dude with a sword is invisible and coming after you and yeah dude yeah that was man their music is like i said earlier i didn't mean to interrupt but that shit's easy to take for granted all the audio i know as uh, somebody who's into audio and engineering and you know all those types of things I think whenever I take a few moments to step back from it and try to wrap my head around all that audio, it's freaking wild. Just ungodly amounts of tweaking and Foley work, and I can't even imagine how much went into that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Berries and Blades, a place where we analyze and break down some of our favorite video games. My name is Joseph Bullard. I'm here with my friends, Willie Garza and Taylor Garrett. We're just three regular guys sitting in our bedrooms with our minds blown because a photo of a dress from 2015 generated more than 10 million tweets in one week. But I digress. So what's up with you guys? Oh, man. I'm thinking about that dress. I do remember that debacle. I was actually wondering... Was it black and blue or white and gold? I saw yellow and green, to be perfectly honest. And that could have been because I was looking through a stained glass window at it. But <laughs> I was just curious about what kind of socks everybody's wearing out there right now. Not you guys, but just the, the people listening. So, Did you say what kind of socks? Yeah, yeah. What kind of socks you're wearing. I can't go into deeper context, but just leave it at that, <laughs> you know. Taylor has a knee-high knee high socks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll accept photos, but not close-up. Don't send us close-up photos of feet, please. Thank you. I think Joey put this in here because I saw that picture again recently. Someone was trying to start some shit on their Twitter timeline, I think. Always. I did I, I did see white and gold. Mm. And I could see how you could see the other colors. Like, I get it. But I'm not one of those people who could, like, flip back and forth between the two. Some people are just like, oh, I'm going to think of that combination, and then I'm, that's what I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that either. But that's not. What do you search to see the dress? But I can't do that. How do, I don't the, think I've ever dressed. seen it. I bet you just pick the, the dress, dress, and I bet that would okay. find it. I saw white and gold. Oh, there it is. I couldn't make myself see blue and black either. Well, they why? Did confirm I'm it, seeing though. both. Oh, how to okay. see the dress both ways. Uh, well, no, no. I mean, I mean, like, literally, I'm seeing photos on image search. That is yeah, not yeah. okay. Okay, but I see the original but click on the Wikipedia article and then like the first thing that you see is... Oh, wait. There's a wick. Oh, there is a the Wikipedia. original photograph. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just the lighting the thing. Okay. So people that don't know anything yeah. about photography would see that and be like, oh, that's blue. And it's because of the blue created by the lack of light or warmth. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. So you didn't I'm see glad this. I didn't waste my fucking time with that. Well, I saw it. But dude, sometimes I see things like this and I purposefully ignore it. Uh, also, sure. that was around the time. No, not that wasn't the time. But yeah, I was having a bad time on Twitter at that point. So I was not caring. So what color do you think it is then? Me? Yeah, yeah. If you don't really, you don't really remember this. Oh, oh, what? oh. So, okay. So what I just explained, that's what it looks like to me. I could be totally wrong. But I think it's like a white silk and a gold. Gold stripes. Yeah, yeah, the gold stripes. It's not. That's not what Shut it is. Shut the fuck up. Oh, that's what God. we see. It's actually confirmed to be black oh, and blue. Oh, my God. Like, that's what the actual colors are. What? The lighting is, is the problem, oh, like you said, God. but it's not what you said. Oh, it's the God. opposite. Because it's actually black and blue. Oh, this is why God. it was such a big deal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> why it blew up. <laughs> blue and black under a yellow-tinted illumination left figure or white and gold under a blue-tinted illumination. Okay, so they're still blaming the lighting for it. Okay. All right. All right. That's enough of that. All right. Glad we got down to the bottom of that from yeah, oh, seven my years God. ago. Now I see it. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Get away from me. Dress. Okay. <laughs> Onward and upward. Onward. Okay. So in our last episode, we wrapped up a three-part series that explored how each of us got into gaming. So if that sounds interesting, you can go back and listen to our first three episodes to get to know us a little better. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing some of our all-time favorite video games which the three of us are excited to get into. Willie, yeah. I've been having some fun trying to guess what's going to be on your list, so why don't you kick things off? I have to go with the thing that I said in, in my episode last time. 
I've got to go with Resident Evil as my first on my favorites list. Is it Resident Evil 1 or like the entire series? I guess that's what I got to ask. Can we take entire series? Because I have some other issues that are going to come up too. I wasn't planning to take an entire series. I was specific about the title, but Mm -hmm. I'd be interested in hearing any arguments. I think that I'll go with just the first one. I could definitely take that series because I, I like that series a lot. I don't think it'd be fair to take that series when I haven't actually finished seven or played eight at all. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, I need to play those. They've been out for a while now and I like them. I just haven't done it. In general, I have to pick that one because it did get me back into gaming a lot. It was my first PlayStation game, actually. And so it was like into a new generation of stuff. And while I know that there were like full motion, like cinematics and stuff, or like used actual people and actual actors in intro sequences and stuff, that was one of the first ones that was like, I don't know why that one caught my attention so much. It's just like a really good, I say really good, but like a B-horror film intro complete with sort of bad stilted voice acting and like very grainy shots in a black and white field of grass and you don't really know what's going on and they keep cutting to pictures of like growling dogs it's obviously going to be scary but you don't know why you don't know what's happening that just like opening cinematic that's got a really b-movie quality to it sort of like sets the tone I have to say, I'm looking at the the box art and I cannot get behind the typography that's on the front cover of this thing. It looks pretty whack. Yeah, I remember that cover pretty well. So that's the other thing. I picked this because I've played it a lot. I have probably bought the game on three consoles or something, four consoles. I don't know if that's possible. I've played it on PlayStation. I'm pretty sure on PlayStation 2, on Xbox 360, I think, and Xbox One. I've played it on multiple systems. Anything it was on, I probably played it on. This intro is ridiculous, dude. I've been watching it while you've been talking about this. And wow, dude, <laughs> just the where they're introducing the characters. Oh, my God. Yeah, the like the cast yeah, portion. Jill Valentine. Of the video. And yeah, the yeah. last one, uh, what's her what's her Rebecca Chambers? And she like does her po- her pigtails and smiles. She's like, he I'm here to die. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> That's nostalgia. 9,000. Thank you, sir. She lives, I think. She's like, she's a side character in Chris's story. Okay. They made another game where you got to play as her for a larger portion. Okay. I think that was Resident Evil Zero that came out. Ah, okay. I don't remember when that came out. If that came out after Resident Evil 2 or between 1 and 2. But they went back and made that game where you could play as her because her team was there first before. Okay before your team of members gets to the house, oh, to wow. the mansion. The doors, like a, you go to a door and it shows you the doors. and Oh, man. So that's one of the things I, I definitely wanted to talk about because I think it's obviously a loading screen, right? That's just hidden behind this mechanic of a door opening. Yeah. The way those doors open is like such a good way to build tension in a scary game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was something about going to a door and clicking on it and watching that cinematic and just being like, Please don't let some scary shit be in here. Like, please, (laughs) whatever it is might kill me. That's back before the whole wave of Zombos, too. Between then and now, we are oversaturated by like 30,000% at this point of zombies everywhere. But that was still where a zombie was behind that door. And you were like, oh, shit, a zombie and scared. Like, now you're like, okay, well, what else does a scorpion tail come out of his ass? And then he stings me in the head. The doors, man, I have to say they they nailed the sound to make it just creepy mm-hmm. and eerie during that door opening animation. And it's just the same sound over and over too, right? They just use that same, there's no alternate door sounds, I don't think. As much as I've played it, I can't answer that with certainty. I feel like there are, there are definitely different designs on doors. Okay. Maybe if it's a different type of door. Yeah, there's some different sounds if it's a... Yeah, exactly. A different type of door. Yeah, oh, man. That was bringing back some memories seeing that. This seems like a game, because I remember not liking the controls, the character mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be able to go back and play it, even though I want to. I might be better off watching somebody play it on YouTube. Did they do a remake with different controls? They've done lots of remakes, and yeah, some of them, at least one of them, has slightly different controls. Okay. Slightly different. I don't think that's enough. <laughs> I don't think that's. 
the thing about Resident Evil was that it used a lot of fixed cameras in rooms. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who play stuff like that now who are like, you're running in one direction and suddenly the camera flips views and then you accidentally run the other direction yeah. because the camera changed and you didn't. And you like decided to change where your, what your stick was doing. Suddenly you're running back to the other screen because the camera flipped. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy was notorious yeah, about man. that. I think I seven. time for that you, shit. Yeah, you're just going across the fucking thing, and then it turns over, and then you're going back across the thing. And you're like, whoops. And then it takes the second to, like, turn in the animation to, like, turn, like, do a 180 and change direction. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, Resident Evil 2, maybe it was 3, fixed that with a little um quick turnaround so that you didn't have to, like, take the time to watch them spin around in a circle. That's cool. Did you have to input <laughs> input a button command to do the 180? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh man, I hate that too. Yeah. Like a down and down and B or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some sort of yeah, down and a button to like yeah, flip direction. And that was just, you know, if you did mess up the moving from screen to screen. I don't I never found it to be that big of a problem after just like playing for like an hour or two. I think some people say like, oh, it made the game scarier, those controls, but I I don't know. They never bothered me. It's just what it was at the time, I think. So I like didn't care i could see it adding to people's frustration or like the fear of like i can't move or shoot this thing right i want to say i did have kind of that experience where the controls made it scarier because i didn't just adapt to them instead i like fought them you know (laughs) hand and foot and then Mm -hmm. yeah you got to shoot a zombie or a dog or something and good luck if you're not okay with those controls and there's definitely some janky stuff where you're like standing on some stairs and you got to shoot up at a zombie that's like coming down the stairs at you yeah it's hard to pinpoint which direction you're actually aiming because the gun doesn't have a sight or a laser sight on it or anything. And you're just like shooting up, but you're actually missing. So you're wasting bullets or like, which is actually very precious if you're playing, if you're trying to play conservatively with your ammo and stuff, because there's not a lot of ammo around the game. That's right. You know, and that was another thing, just like the save system. You had to get an ink ribbon to go to a typewriter. Mm. And those you could also run out of mm-hmm. if you were one of those people who were like, I'm going to save before I go to every spot. Damn, yeah. yeah, not going to work out. Yeah, it's not going to work. Interesting. I didn't remember that part. That is a good anti-cheese mechanism way back when. That was a very good anti-cheese. I forgot about that because you definitely didn't want to run back to the same room over and over and keep saving in there. Like you wanted to get everything and then get away from whatever the thing was and then save. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great pick, man. I think the only other thing I'd want to say about it is um, I think I just like a good puzzle. Mm. It had a lot of like not overly complicated puzzles, but you still had to go like find a piece, you know, of a crest to go find to what door it goes into or each key had a, a symbol on it. And that was the other thing you had to like look at the keys like you could examine items that you picked up, rotate yeah. them in your in your menu and be like, oh, this one has a picture of a helmet on it. This one has a picture of a shield on it. And then it became named the shield key or the sword key or whatever. And you opened books up in your inventory to find the thing that was hidden inside. It was like, okay, this thing obviously is useful to me. So I'm going to find what door it goes in or where, what plaque it goes in or whatever. That spinning exploration like that is still a key mechanic in so many games. Uh, Like Resident Evil still does it. But I also like that, man. It's yeah, and it was kind of like mysteries on mysteries because first off you've got to find first off you find the the crest or maybe you find the place that the crest goes and then that's not just it. Sometimes you do have to get that crest and roll it over and there's a piece of tape and a number on it or whatever and that was really smart. I forgot that they were doing that that early on, but that was a great system that you still see in some really good games where you're collecting stuff and like you said Joey Tomb Raider did they have like uncoverable, unlockable stuff there or was it just like look at it and get a real good look and zoom in? You could see it from all the different angles. At least in the the newer trilogy, it was lore where you'd be able to inspect and rotate the objects and then it would give you some vibration feedback when That's you're like onto right. something. And then if you okay. click, you'd play some audio from Laura reading the message or you'd have to read it on screen. Oh, that's cool. Because that is a great mechanic that I I use a lot or enjoy a lot rather. I think they just set the tone for a lot of a lot of things that came after, like you were saying. Yeah, I agree. It spawned a whole series of games in itself, but all of the other like survival horror things that came after it like picked some of the best parts and made their own their own things after that. Yeah. 
I definitely think it's it has its place in time, and it's the start of a, obviously a long running series that a lot of people love. So I, I think it's a good pick. Ties right in with playing a little Resident Evil Seven. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I'll take the next one, and then we'll move on to Taylor for his first all time fave. My first one is gonna be Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past because it's one of the very first games I ever played. I still love playing it. I think the 16-bit graphics hold up to this day. The music is awesome and some of the most iconic in just video games, period. And I think because I played it so much as a kid, it just holds that place in my heart of just being one of my favorite games to play. And I played it. I played back through it maybe two, maybe longer, three months ago, and it was just still as good. Hmm. The sprites look good. If you've never played it before, I recommend it if you can get a hold of it. Or at least play from... so polished. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's just like prime Super NES video game, like for that console. That was when I went nuts over like you can swing the sword and chop the grass and stuff like that. And that was that really got me. I think that was like an early on need to like clear the thing, clear the stuff, you know, like probably some early OCD or something where... You just really want to get that stuff cleared and see what's under it. I love the SNES. I think that's my favorite all-time Zelda as well. It wasn't the first game in the series, but it just seemed to like blow up. It, it just blew up because of that game, I think. Did you also enjoy Secret of Mana? Did you ever play that one? I know of that, but I've never played that. I don't know if it was before or after. I think it was after uh, Link to the Past. It was like they added to that formula. Like they took all the good stuff and they really added to it. They made the story. They added a lot of it, it played on a lot of tropes now, but it was awesome at the time. I believe it was also co-op. So it was like being able to play uh, Zelda, but with other people. I think if you didn't have other people, then the people would just follow you. I don't I don't remember exactly, but that was a great game. If you ever decide to go back to something like that, maybe check that one out, too. I can remember the artwork for that game. Oh, it's so Even though I haven't played it. Same. And actually for both of those. It's funny how many games I have like fairly vivid memories of just seeing the box art on the shelves Mm -hmm. at the store to rent games, you know? The format, it's unforgettable, especially for Super NES games because they were all formatted the same with the kind of Super Nintendo frame. Yeah. It's pretty obvious when you're looking at a Super NES game. Classic Nintendo, man. They're branding has always been amazing. Like that is one thing you cannot fault them for is the consistency in that branding. You know, if you're looking at a Nintendo game or product or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. I haven't played through a link to the past. I don't think ever. I watched a friend play it. I never had a super Nintendo. So, and I never rented one, but I remember going over to a friend's house and that was like, all he did was play that game. That was not my first introduction. I definitely had seen people play other Zelda games on NES, but I do remember him just being super stoked about that one. It was good. I was the same way. I think I got it pretty soon after it came out because I did have a SNES. I think that was the that was the first console I had after the NES, and um, that game blew my mind. Just the exploration, the open world aspect of it was really cool. The mysteries to block off the borders, just like Resident Evil, you know, you just got to figure out mm-hmm. that thing, how to how to get past that spot and get the the wind stick or whatever, you know? Yeah, that blew my little mind for sure. Taylor with his little mind. Little mind. Yeah, imagine me with a little mind. I do like just in general over time, the formula that Zelda has had of like, you need this weapon, you go to this dungeon and you do these, you like you learn a new skill to complete this dungeon and get this whatever, this object or this like piece of armor, weaponry, whatever it is. And then that becomes like integral to like whatever you're doing next. Yeah. The way you needed some of those weapons to progress through some of the dungeons, I thought was pretty cool for its time. I mean, they kind of broke that now, like looking at Breath of the Wild. They've changed a lot, which I think makes that oh, game yeah. so great, but... At the time, I did really enjoy that. There's the hammer stakes and things like that. So they're different colored stones that you can pick up with the different power gloves. So you encounter all of these, all of these different situations and paths that you can't get through until you do go later into the game and get some of those objects. So it's cool to experience them, to not understand how to get past them, but then find the item that allows you to do that. So then you get to go and backtrack through the world 
and like go back to those stakes that you saw since the first couple of hours of playing the game and now you can actually get past that area. I love that about yeah. the game. And I think other games do that. I don't know why I why I sort of fixate on that being a, a Zelda thing, but it does. That It always just sticks out to me that that's in many of the games that there is that formula that they just, I think they just do it so well. So that experience that you're talking about seems really rewarding when it happens. Yeah, there's a lot of satisfaction in that for me. But I mean, it was a pretty good puzzle or like the dungeons, like they were pretty good puzzles. You know, they're not the best, they're not the worst, but everything combined, like the total package of the music and, you know, just the the graphics in general, along with the story is a total package game that just had a really big impact on me growing up. Yeah, that makes sense. Someone could do it. And I think that it's worth talking about that music too. Oh, like that yeah, definitely yeah. has become iconic, like the evolution of that music and how recognizable it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That main theme to the music on every single one. I really kept captured that, you know. If you hear that anywhere in it, you're like, oh, okay, this this. Fool's yeah, you know it, man. Even people that have barely played any Legend of Zelda know these these tracks. Yeah. Anyway, Taylor, what game you got for us? Oh man, I've got a few in mind. Um, my first uh, was pretty. Um, it was a tough choice, and that was between Prey and Skyrim because those are two of my. All-time faves, and I got to go with Prey, though, um, because of the just my love for sci-fi and space and things like that. They really nailed it for me. Skyrim got there, you know. They had a lot of celestial stuff, which made it cool, but Prey was, it still is one of my favorites of all time because it's the perfect cross-section of what Bethesda, I guess it's one of their studios. I'm, I'm blanking on who who did that one, but... um. It's just the amount of polish in there because I was already a fan of Fallouts and Skyrim, pretty much anything they did that had legs and depth to an open world discovery thing. But Prey was a departure for them, which actually has me excited about Starfield because I really liked Prey. And if they can recapture the movement, the fluidity going between the scenes of what you were dealing with, the story was good and compelling. The details that they put into it really got me. I think I mentioned this my first episode, but they had a recycling system that was amazing to me where you could pick up most things in the world, whether it's like a little a writing pen or a folder or, you know, like Fallout, if you guys have have played or any kind of open world game where you're just collecting stuff. You can always use it to craft, but the way that they did it was real interesting. So you could pick that stuff up, but you have to take it back to a recycling station. And the feel of everything was like gritty and spacey. So it was like futuristic and sciencey, but it also had some grit to it. You would go up to these stations and they looked like they had been used a ton. And you would throw all your stuff in there and you would see all your things go in. They'd be like, ding, 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 ding. You, and all your items would go in and then you would recycle them. It's all almost like glass fronted and you would see your items cruise under and then turn into something and then recycle into little cubes that come out at the bottom like a vending machine. So they didn't just stop there with that system. They went deeper with it. They gave, they added, I know they added grenades and I don't remember if there was a weapon too, but there was a grenade where you would throw it and it would suck in everything, every object in the area into it like a black hole. And then it would just immediately turn all those items into the into the materials. And, and you could even throw it at enemies and turn them into carbon material so that you could use it. And the enemies were terrifying. That was the other part of it. The horror was the fact that in, the enemies could be anything. The little mimics, that was scary because you're going through an empty office and you, you know, that perfect horror where, bam, violins. That was another thing on this game is the the sounds were amazing. They used the strings, like the string violin sections. Every time you came around a corner and boom, there's a mimic on the floor, spidering around and like running away, you hear the violins kick in and it's just horrifying. And then you come around the next corner and there's nothing anywhere. And he could be any object in that room. He could be the chair. He could be a table. He could be a pen. He could be a coffee cup, literally anything. And you're just walking around looking at stuff thinking, where is this thing? 
because they're like little face suckers. Oh, you know, so they're also kind of scary. You don't want to have one on your head or anything. That was just a really good game. The weapon systems, the upgrade systems. And, and then they added in elements of some one of my other favorite games, which is Dishonored. You have all these powers. And this one, you're more of like a mutant and you're mutating. And you can you have the option to stay a more powerful human and not mutate and not become scum of space. Or you can mutate and become, you know, super powerful and destroy everything else. And I always like that option. Or you can combine, you know, you can combine both and then you're just a, a dirty son of a what. That's a real fun game. I try to tell everybody I can that's ever, if you've ever been into Dishonored or if you've ever been into Fallout or Skyrim, then pray if you're into horror and you're into sci-fi should be a friggin' no brainer. And it's on the game pass, which is even better. So you can check it out without any penalty. Is this the game from 2006 or the game from no, 2017? No, no, no. As 17. 2006 was a good Prey game. I like that one as well, but this one is um, this one is a total different reimagining. Okay, got you. Amazingly enough, I, I never played that one. I've heard you talk about it a number of times, and I, for a couple of different reasons. I don't know why I never played it. I have definitely seen gameplay of it. It definitely looks like a thing I would enjoy, and I just never played it. You mentioned you didn't remember what the studio was, but it's Arcane Studios, oh. which did also make Dishonored. That's why. Which is why they have those systems. But I remembered that they had a studio in Austin, which that's right was one of the th one of the reasons that you and I had talked about it because there was like an Easter egg, not really an Easter egg, but a oh, right. a thing from a friend <laughs> in that in right. that game because we we didn't know any of the developers, but they obviously knew some people that we knew. Yeah, I was, totally uh, forgot about that dude. The Lucky's uh, Lucky's Pucha's pizza box yeah our buddy lucky yeah. who owns a, a pizza place <laughs> in austin which if you're ever there check it out it, he has a is it lucky's pizza it might just be called it's sandwiches i thought it's, it's i thought they're sandwiches okay it might be he opened a brick oven pizza shop as well that's like brick and mortar and that's what's in the game right yes that thing. yeah and okay. it's a pizza box from that but it, that blew my mind because i'm sitting there playing one of my favorite games i'm glad you remember that and like as I'm going through it, boom, I look down on the desk and there's a stack of pizza boxes and it says Lucky's Pooches or Lucky's Pizzas on there. And it was literally his icon. Like, oh, like yeah. I mean, his That's branding. Cool. Dude, it was so wild. And just to reach out to him and be like, Lucky, why are you in one of my favorite games? And he's just like, oh, yeah, the developers were in here all the time. He was super stoked about it. He didn't even say anything about it. It was amazing. But he's that kind of guy, too. Just like. One of the best dudes in the world. But yeah, go nice. check that place out. Lucky's Pooches, Lucky's Pizzas in Austin. But yeah, stuff like that. I barely know of this game. I read more about the original. The original was an awesome concept, but yeah, this one is more you're straight up in space. You're a, a scientist on a space lab. There's a lot of mystery. You have a brother there. Everyone has disappeared pretty much when you get there. You could straight up go around that space station and you can go outside of it. They do the dead space stuff too, where you have like little jets and you can go outside and explore, but they have a security station that you find pretty early on and they have a monitor and it's like, here's a list of, uh, of the, you know, guests and scientists right now and security people. And it's a list of all these people and it shows you their location. So you can click on one and it'll say, okay, this person's. 80 meters away. And so you go find them. And that is how you kind of uh, launch yourself into the, I don't know what you would call it, but you know, like where you run into a new boss or a, a nasty man that's coming after you or whatever, because you're going to look for John, you know, Jacobs over in security. And then you go and you find that that dude is actually just ahead and his key card <laughs> like sitting right beside it. And it brings the mystery of kind of like Red Dead. You remember uh, Red Dead 2, how you come across things. You come across like the the serial killer spots and stuff like that. Just because you're going you're going on a mission somewhere and you come across just a, myster a mysterious like people are hanging under a train track. And you're like, well, what's happening over here? It's that same kind of mystery and awe. They'll set something up and, and you see that a person is been cut in half or dragged into a room or something and 
well, there's the thing that did it in the next room. And it's great setups, great setups. I, I cannot tell people to play that game enough, especially if you're into first person shooters, sci-fi, fallout kind of exploration, dead space, any of that. Nice. Willie, what do you want to talk about next? I think I've got to go. I've got to go with the obvious Halo. Ooh. I thought you were going to say you really had to go. Like you had to get off the call. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the halo out of here. I have to go. It's actually too hot in here and I think my computer's about to crash. No. No, I think we're good. Yeah. It's it's actually fine today. That rain definitely helped. Nice. No, I got to pick Halo. And, you know, we talked about whether or not we'd be picking series or not. If I have to pick one of them, I think I'm going to go with Halo 3. I'll talk a little bit about all of them real quick. Halo 3 just has like a, there's just a lot of good memories around it. And I think that's why, like we'll probably talk about this in future episodes, but one of the things that draws me to games is a good multiplayer or co-op experience. It has been a way for me to connect with friends and throughout the series, like there's just a lot of good memories associated with it. Halo first, like the Combat Evolved, the first one, like changed the way people thought about first person shooters on consoles. Oh, yeah. It was the first time that just the layout of the controller shaped what everyone else was doing after that. And I just have so much time playing that game, like just doing LAN parties. And and then Halo 2 got Xbox Live sort of off the ground, like introduced this idea of having clans in the game, like separate from your friends list. You could just like make a list of people that you wanted to be in a clan with and play games with. And the multiplayer maps in Halo 2 were just next level it felt like I, I feel like a lot of people hold halo 2 as being like one of the best competitive multiplayer first person shooters oh yeah dual wielding man oh man the first time you pick up those two smgs at mm-hmm. once and you're just shooting all the bullets oh man that was a good feeling oh while we're on that one of the things that i saw recently was um <laughs> I don't know when it was, but just sometime recently, there was uh, some talks about the level that was in the Halo 2 E3 demo in like 2003 that like wasn't playable. It ended up not being in the game because the system couldn't handle it. The Xbox couldn't handle oh, it. Snap. They're finally like going to be releasing that level like because oh, they finally ass. built it or something. <laughs> nice. Was there somewhere that it obviously belonged in the campaign or was it like an entire section that that just wasn't in there? I don't know if it's obvious where it was, but it was definitely, it took place on Earth in New Mombasa okay. and it was like roaming the streets in a warthog. Oh man, New Mombasa was awesome. If you go back and watch the 2003 E3 trailer, everyone saw that and was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then the game got delayed and then... When it finally came out, that level just wasn't in it. <laughs> it was a sandworm on No Man's Sky. <laughs> it was a sandworm all sure, over again. Yeah. I didn't know that they showed a demo of something that didn't end up in the game. And some of the, the tactics in it did. Like I think there was a, a shot in that game where Master Chief like boarded a, a ghost that was coming at him. Like he knocked the Oh, I see. The grunt or whatever, like off the ghost and took it from him. But yeah, and that mechanic ended up in the game, but that entire level just, like just wasn't just wasn't there. And that's lengthy. It's lengthy. I'm looking at the video now. Like that's a serious level right there. Yeah. And it's funny that it couldn't handle it because it looks like dog's ass. Polygonal <laughs> dog's ass. I mean, it's ta- that's talking about like original Xbox, right? Yeah, like I there's a lot getting of explosions and stuff happening. But again, if I had to pick, I think Halo 3 is probably my favorite Mm. out of all of them. Mm -hmm. There was something like Halo 2 did this thing where, I mean, it was sort of a bait and switch, right? That like everyone thought you would be defending the the world from the covenant at that point. By the end of the game, you were like, oh, well, they're on Earth now and the game's over, but you didn't save Earth. Like they're still in trouble. (laughs) And then people were like, Oh, so now we have to wait for a whole nother game. That was the one where you could play as the Arbiter, right? Like you're switching between... Yeah, Halo 2 you could, yeah. Oh, that was Halo 2. Dang. Both you did, but Halo 2 was more. And I think that's why people were also upset at that game. Yeah. At Halo 2, they were just like, I'm playing not as Master Chief the whole time. Yeah. And it felt different. Go figure. People didn't want to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. How about <laughs> <that>? <laughs> Yeah. Huh. And I think Halo 3 sort of went back to... I mean, the whole campaign slogan was like, finish the fight, right? Like that was, 
that was another thing about Halo 3. Just the advertising for that game was so good. Every commercial spot was amazing. They had a whole campaign that was the Believe campaign that, you know, it started with this like monument to this battlefield that is the John 117 monument that has like really good music going behind this trailer of watching this scale, like this model of this battlefield. And Master Chief is being held by a brute in the end of that video, just like body slumped over, being held in the air like he finished, like he's dead. And he like lights up a plasma grenade in his hand <laughs> and the, the trailer cuts out with seemingly him waking up from whatever's going on. And it's just like in all of the campaigning they did around that, where they like recreated the world of Halo as if it were real, right? They found people to play soldiers who had been in the war with the Covenant and tell stories about John 117 and how Master Chief brought them hope on the battlefield. And all of that shit just feels real. Yeah, they did a good job on that one. I remember that one. That one felt more like you were in a world than ever before because that first level maybe where you're kind of in the jungle and you've got stuff hanging down and just all that stuff was pretty revolutionary to me at the time. Maybe it was already happening on PC for a while, but it was really cool yeah. on Xbox. Yeah, I think this game checks a lot of boxes. Two and three are the Halos I played the most of, especially multiplayer. I mean, obviously one of the most iconic video game video game characters, period, and Master Chief. Yeah. Not counting out the voiceover and the acting for the character, but the just in general, man. like you see him and you know who it is, right? Like he just has that look and his armor is so memorable. And the main theme music, I think, is also something that if you mm -hmm. hear it, you you instantly recognize it. Yeah, even sound effects like the the shield recharge, you know, like that's something you hear and you instantly know what that series, what series that's from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it goes down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's true, man. Their audio is yeah. stuff of legend. It really is. Those, I mean, those first three games with um, Marty O'Donnell on the like soundtrack and stuff as well. Like, I know he had some help too um, for for them but just the way that he talked about the sound design for that game was so fascinating to me and i think it probably was during it was during halo 3 that they were doing a lot of vi docs like i knew that they were doing like video updates because i've never followed a game's development as much as i followed the development of that game watching their weekly updates they did mm -hmm. like bungie weekly updates every friday and the just the videos that they would put out and just like getting glimpses of stuff that was going to happen but I remember Marty O'Donnell just talking about the way that they build the music for that game. And I'm sure other games have done it and do it now like regularly, but like just adding in instruments when like your player crosses a certain threshold to like add tension to like the scene of the battle. And if you back out of that scene, those instruments or something will go away and the, it drops the tension in a different way. And if you like go to a different part of the map, there's a different part of stuff that gets layered into the, the music and it just builds on itself in this like really amazing way. Oh yeah. By the time you're like running around, jumping, throwing grenades, everybody's alerted. They're shooting at you. It's just like, dun, 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 dun. then a fucking electric guitar kicks in because the dude with a sword yeah. is invisible and coming after you. And <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. That was man. Yeah. Their music is like I said earlier, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that shit's easy to take for granted. All the audio. I know as uh, somebody who's into audio and engineering and, you know, all those types of things, I think whenever I take a few moments to step back from it and try to wrap my head around all that audio, it's freaking wild. Just ungodly amounts of tweaking and Foley work. And I, I can't even imagine how much went into that. Two other like, real quick points on this is I think that it like... It has a lot of replayability for me. Like I think anytime I load up uh, the Master Chief Collection, it's the game that I'll make sure that I play at least a part of. Or if I'm going to play multiplayer on the Master Chief Collection, I will make sure that those maps are the maps that are picked. And that gameplay is the style of gameplay that I'm going to be playing in. Are there still quite a few people playing the multiplayer? Are you able to find matches fairly easily? Have you done it lately? It happens pretty quickly whenever I've I've done it. I haven't done it in maybe like a month or two, but oh, okay. I, I have loaded it up, you know, on my PC and just like, we'll play just because. 
So they must be doing cross-platform. Their hoppers are probably just refined at this point. They've just got them working perfectly. Like I said, it's 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 been a little while, but I'm pretty sure they're still doing it. And I have, you know, I've played on it. That's Oh, yeah, a couple months ago. That tells me everything I need to know. There's still people out there playing that. That's cool. I think maybe it's been longer than that, because I think especially before Halo Infinite came out, mm-hmm. was it was obviously still really active. But I think there's a lot of people who probably haven't, you know, might not have picked up a new console yet or don't have a PC to play Halo Infinite. So they're probably still doing that. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is it also added Forge to the mix, which was like their map building program, which was kind of the tools that they use, but not exactly. And so like people started recreating old maps or new maps for the game to play multiplayer on. And like that, that created a whole nother thing and other game types. Like people started making, you know, we start, we made like an American gladiators map that was like a one versus seven where like everyone was on different parts of the map being the, you know, the gladiators whilst one person ran through the thing. Yeah. And and somebody's on a turret. Somebody, somebody had like (laughs) a a bag of grenades. They were just surrounded by grenades and could just throw. It was cool. That was cool as shit. We were always looking for that that extra like our, our the ability to make a game type that we could think of and then have a lot of fun playing it i think if infinite if they can get that figured out if they can have enough options and yeah. stuff and then you could really because it would always be some kind of limitation if they if they can get it there where you can play that with 16 people or a decent amount of people and kind of do anything you want using a, a diverse rule set whew, they've got a winner right there because that game the engine is excellent I can't wait to try that co-op. I could go on forever about that game because it just did so much. And there's so many memories. I guess I should say there's an interesting thing that happened with being on Xbox Live and playing with friends that like there was a point in my life where the sound of the like Xbox friend, someone signing on, sparked some form of just happiness in me. If I heard that sound from the other room because I had like gotten up, I like needed to know what who was on yeah. mm-hmm. i needed to like see like oh is jerry on like let's play some stuff it was just like this just response that just like came out of nowhere because of so much time playing online with friends oh yeah yeah and you still know that sound i feel you there man that reaction to the the sign on yeah i feel you uh awesome man yeah i think halo is great i mean i would go back and play two and three for sure along with infinite there are definitely games in the series i haven't played but have definitely burned some hours of daylight playing multiplayer. And and for a lot of the reasons that I like Halo, I also like my next pick, which is Gears of War, which is, I don't know, I'm kind of combining Gears of War and Gears of War Ultimate Edition, like the remastered Mm. version. I think that's fair. Yeah, what I played was, I guess, let me back up. So one of the reasons why this game is important to me is because I was playing it when I was deployed in Baghdad. And we were just playing it every single day after work. We basically land party. One of the guys in the group was um, working in the IT office. And he got a hold of like a long spool of Ethernet cable. So we routed it out the back windows of our trailers and connected all the Xboxes to each other since we weren't like in the same building. And we would play uh, just like 4v4 or, you know, 3v3 or something like that. And we were doing that just like day after day after day after day so it was like one of the things that kept us sane during that deployment that's a fun game if you once you learn it it, that is a lot of fun that's so during the day y'all are doing just like kind of your daily grunt work or or tasks or Mm -hmm. whatever you've got to do and then at night there's probably not shit to do other than like talk to your family and were y'all able to do that were you pretty regularly able to yeah yeah sometimes there would be some communication blackouts where like nobody could call anybody Okay. Depending on what was happening in the area. And then if you did want to call somebody, there was like one phone at the battalion headquarters, which was walking distance okay. from where we stayed. Um, but there was always a line of people. So like you, you had to show up in the wee hours of the night to like actually get through. And then Man. the time difference between Iraq and the US, like it was pretty significant. So we had to be up in the middle of the night. That was to early technology with, just to days, call home. right? Like you guys, yeah, know, this 2002 is, um, or 03 or 2006, something? 2006, oh, wow, 2007. Okay. Jeez, man. I had a 360 there. Yeah. Cause we played, oh, okay. well, we played that Gears of War, but we also played Guitar Hero and a few other oh. games. 
But uh, Gears totally of War, man, the the cover system. Oh, and the chainsaw. <laughs> the chainsaw yeah, the was also man. That was a <laughs> yeah, terrific. Yeah, the Lancer. I was like, what? You have a gun, a machine gun, and a chainsaw as one. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah, that was badass. <laughs> I think yeah. that weapon is still like a really awesome looking weapon mm-hmm. but even the way they implement it into the gameplay where you could like just melee saw somebody in half or one of the locusts in oh. half was was pretty rad and gory yeah the way they implemented that into the into the multiplayer i thought was interesting too you know mm-hmm. like they didn't shy away and be like ah we're not we're just not gonna have the saw do the saw thing instead they like made it a sword fight kind of did they do that on the, was that on the first one too where you would be going at a guy and come down and he would have the opportunity to like block it or, or something. You could like mash B to try to get through or was that a later mechanic? Do you remember that? I don't know if it was any original. Like if you could parry okay. with it and kind of like sword fight yeah. with him. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely I in the second one or third or something. You could you could start doing that. Like you it had was a definitely chance. in the campaign, you know, and just the main playthrough. It would turn into like a, a kind of halfway cinematic view when that was happening. And the locusts are a good, hateable enemy. I thought they re- did a really good <laughs> yeah. job on them. Like, and they weren't too much like the hate with Halo, um, because we were just talking about it. I feel like they really, um, weird wording, but humanized the aliens. You know what I mean? Like they, once you started mm-hmm. playing as an arbiter and experiencing their journey and stuff, you realize that they were just being led astray as well. And, but, gears always seem to stick with it they were like no these people are shitheads <laughs> these these things are yeah. awful kill them all <laughs> pretty much yeah but i love that game man multiplayer the campaign is good i love mm. that linear narrative like where the game it slows down and you know that you're not about to get attacked and it kind of feeds you through a very specific pathway like in that time i loved being guided through the game that way because it can really craft the story really well Mm-hmm. Some of the dialogue is a little cheesy through like all of the games, but Marcus Phoenix, the voice acting, his voice is like so ingrained in my memory that if I hear him in anything else, I'm like, that's Marcus Phoenix. So you've played all of them since then? Is that just yeah? Well, no. That- the only one I haven't played is the one that focuses on Baird, which I think is called Judgment Day. It was like a spinoff, mm-hmm. but I've I've played yeah. one through five. Oh, and I haven't played Tactics. I haven't spent any time playing Gears of War Tactics. Is that the that's the one where they're pops? Where they're like pop characters or is that It's like a strategy based game, like turn by turn strategy. Okay. You started to talk a little bit about the sort of mechanics, like the cover mechanics, and that was definitely a, a game changer for lots of things like you were saying. The roadie run, I remember being <laughs> such a big deal as well. Like mm-hmm. moving from cover to cover was like really well done, but even that roadie run, just that duck and run as fast as you can to the next piece of cover in front of you. Or just cover ground when you're being shot mm-hmm. at. Like, Yeah, I love it. It was a really good game. That game, also like A Link to the Past, holds like a really special place in my heart just because we we were playing as a group, right? And it was just like a really strong bond between us all. And it was like almost all we had for like a lot of those nights. It was the only thing we could do. And to have that many people into it and dedicated to playing it as often as we did is like something that... I'll probably never experience again. No, dude, that's that's two very strong brotherhood things. The military and yeah, exactly. not even just military, but active military. Like you're out there, you know, in a spot that literally anything could happen anytime. I've felt that brotherhood with my friends and stuff uh, just from playing games. So it's like it's like you were combining that, you know, you were getting like mm-hmm. like doubling down on it. Exactly, man. So I bet I absolutely bet that's some stuff that you never forget. And especially if it gets you through some hard times, like that's, I'm sure that shit wasn't easy at all. So I could see why that one would, would stick. I do want to play through some gears with you sometime soon though. Cause I still need to play through five, never played through it. And anything like that, that's co-op and on the game pass. Hell yeah. That's exactly when I played it. I think I started five, but I didn't finish five. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I remember you starting five. I know I finished four way after it came out, just before five came out, so I could play five. And so I did that, and I don't know if I finished five. I kind of feel like I did, but I don't remember. I'm not sure. One last thing about this series is 
It's definitely, we're talking before the days of digital downloads being so accessible or cloud gaming, things like that. So this series is one of the very few where I actually physically went to a midnight launch and waited in line to get a box copy of the game. And it's like just one of the, the few series that I actually physically stayed up and went out and went out of my way to get the game like at the release moment. Yeah. And you want to play it right then. I feel like they killed that with the digital release, but it was good. Like I, I was at the point, I don't know what the last one we went and did. It might've been Halo 3 or something where we went and now nah, I probably got a lot of other games uh, release night, but I, I was tired of that. I was tired of that. I think I was already sick of people, <laughs> sick of being <laughs> yeah. outside by the time the digital age really hit where you could, you know, download any game the moment that it comes out. Mm-hmm. I do miss that feeling though, man, just sitting in line feeling like you're going to yeah. pee yourself because you're like, I can't fucking wait to get this game, some Grand Theft Auto or Halo or something. I think that is another reason that I picked Halo 3 because I, I went to a midnight release for Halo 2 with Scotty, but... Taylor and I went to Halo 3 Midnight Release. We both had the Legendary Edition. And I remember I met you after work, I think, in the parking lot Mm -hmm. at your work. And then we rode together to the store and waited in line for that and then got it, like, right after midnight. For some reason, they were, like, super efficient that night and got it. You took me back to my car. We both went our separate ways because we weren't living together at that time. Popped online. Both went home. And then hopped online and then played until like 8 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. Played till the sun came up on that one. Yeah, that was fun. Nice. Good memories. Willie, what you got next? Did Taylor go again? Oh, maybe not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. How dare you? Oh, right. We started with Willie. My bad. (laughs) So um, I'm going to take a a departure from the first person and third person shooters, which I prefer, which... This one, Surviving Mars, is one of my favorite all-time games. I have probably as many hours in it as almost as in Skyrim. I think Skyrim I had 400 hours in. Multiplayer games I can have a lot of hours in. Um, that's just because that's sometimes it's conversations and stuff happening. But Surviving Mars is a, uh, I, I would think you would call it isometric real-time strategy Mars-based building game or city-slash-based-building. But it blew my mind. I've played some RTSs in the past. Um, I played the Command and Conquerors. Those, those were a lot of fun to me. But for some reason, this one just blew me away. I think it was because I already have... I'm inclined to... Like I said, I, I love space. I love all things space. You know, that that new telescope picture. I could sit there and look at stuff like that forever and just look at details and wonder. But this was really cool because you're the first people to land on Mars. And it's done in a way of like, choose who you're going up as. You can go up as the US or China or uh, India. And you have different perks for different, you know, like, the U.S., you may start with more money. Uh, it's very much like a Civilization. Have you guys ever played those or any of those types of games? I haven't spent much time doing it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's similar in the right ways to those, but it's more exciting because you can like you pick that and you could also pick corporations and things. So they have the equivalents of like a Tesla and a Amazon and a Virgin so you, each of those give you different kind of perks. Like you can just get your, you know, send a ship to Mars faster or get more people because you, you have to get people there. So whenever you first land on it, you start with one ship. You've got a bunch of drones and some fabricated things. So fabrications, you can just set up real quick. You can have yourself some drone stations that allows them to recharge They keep it kind of basic with you just lay power and you can have solar, you can do nuclear, you can do all of those different kinds of things. But you're essentially trying to, as fast as you can, beat the other nations and other businesses to Mars and to get people there. And as you play through it, there's all kinds of challenges, like be the first person to have 10 people on Mars or 100 or 1,000 And the art is great. You can zoom way in. You can go very granular on the art. And the domes are cool. You can have domes and you fill them up with all these different things. It can look like a big city or it could be farms. And 
even the loading screens, uh, they're short, but when you do a loading screen, it'll have a quote from somebody, some famous scientist or famous artist or author, just a ton of great quotes. And they're all about Mars or space or humanity. And the whole, the whole thing together is a great package to me. Like any, anybody who is willing to sit and play an RTS at all or, or a builder, I guess would be the, the better way to put it should definitely check this out. I think it's also a game pass game indefinitely, but it, it really got me. I loved it. You make me want to try it. I've almost played it before because I was a little hooked in by the game art itself. The art's beautiful. The art is beautiful. And they add in cool, mysterious stuff too. Like every, you can either do it random or you can choose from a list of mysteries and it'll be like the box. And then you get in there and you'll be doing everything you're supposed to do, making your base, doing all that. And at some point something will happen that is according to that mystery. And it'll be like, Something weird has appeared. Do you want to send your scientists to look at it? And they'll go look at it. And they may be like, oh my God, this is an infinite source of this. Or your scientists were fucking vaporized. <laughs> They're gone now. But yeah, mm-hmm. if you ever want to try it, dude, I, I highly recommend it. It's amazing. It, And I think it steps outside of the typical builders in that what throws me off is if I went and tried to play City Skylines or whatever it's called on there. That's a beautiful game. I like the art. But it's so in-depth, man. You've got to control the power going everywhere, the grids, the plumbing, the this, the that. And it just gets to be like, I feel like I'm a city manager, like literally a city manager, but not in the cool way. Just, I, you know, I'm not trying to sell you on it, but I think that it, it's way more interesting per moment than any other kind of strategy or builder game I've ever played. But in all mm-hmm. fairness, I've, I'm also into those periodically. I'm kind of surprised that the style of game made it onto anyone's list, actually. Really? That's, yeah, I would be too. I definitely would be. Like, if I hadn't played that and that was on somebody's, I'd be like, what are you talking about? But it's so polished and they kept adding to it. They kept adding DLCs and stuff that are all free. You don't have to buy any DLC. I don't think it's just built in and it's just really well done. I think the developer, I want to say they're Paraxis. I think it's Paradox. Paradox. Okay. Okay. Paradox Interactive. Yeah. Paradox Interactive. That's it. What about you, Willie? Are you surprised that this style of game is on any of our lists? Um, uh, Maybe. Yeah. I guess a little bit, but I definitely can get into those games, those types of games. I've watched someone play this game, but I've never played it, but I've watched hours of someone playing this game. I don't even think streaming it, but watching a YouTube channel and watching them just play through. I think what compels me so much or or compelled me to play it so much and just pushed me to play it for tons of hours was the variety of the gameplays. Like it has good story in there while you're playing it. It keeps you interesting or interested in it. And it seems realistic too. Like unlike like city skylines or builders like that, I feel more like I am applying things to here on earth. You know, this is what a house looks like. This is what a city looks like. This is what a power grid. This is more. What would it be like if you were on Mars? It's very much like they talked to SpaceX and NASA and places like that for a long time. And we're like, what do you think would happen? How do you think we would have power? How do you think we would sustain this or that? And they applied that. It wasn't like, it doesn't feel like you're adding magical things. You're adding things that are not too far from what we have now until you get towards the end of it. And then you really do like, You know, you have a, I think one of the options towards the end was you can create a singularity and it came with those kinds of things where you could, once you did it, you could integrate your people into the singularity. I think if I'm remembering it correctly. So suddenly your cities become 50% more efficient, obviously, and everybody's happy all the time. It's really good. It's really good. You know, like I've, I've explained multiple times how I feel about all of it coming together cohesively, like a lot of polish on top, bottom, everywhere in between. And that includes story, looks, gameplay. And this checks every single box. This is a good one. Nice. Yeah, I, I can see why you would say that about that game. Cause like I said, I've watched, I've only, I've watched people play it and it seems good. I think. It's interesting that you picked it and it's on console, though, I would say, just because I I think there is something special about 
getting one of those games to work well on a console. Yes, that's a good point. That and real-time strategies have always had a stigma around them about being like better on PC. Yeah, yes. There is something special about it when it works on a console. I agree. Like the extra effort it takes to, to make that happen. Yeah, and not to just say, you know, get effed, go get a keyboard and mouse. It works on there. Yeah, that's... They did an interesting system where... They use a, a circle that works really good to select things and you can expand the circle in a very simple way with like the bumpers, I think. And, and it can, it kind of has a stickiness to it, to things. And if I'm not mistaken, you can go into the settings and adjust, you can go in there and adjust the, the stickiness and things like that. So good point, man. Good point. That is one of the things that kept me in there and kept playing it because it never felt like get the arrow on the thing. It just did it. And once you yeah. know how to do it and you learn the controls, you're off and running. Yeah. I have a question for you or both of you, actually. What do y'all think about just doing multiple episodes of our f- all time faves? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we're barely getting through two each Yeah. at an hour and a half. So I wonder if we just stop here and then it doesn't have yeah. to be the very next episode, but at some point we just kind of continue to s- the discussion about some of these games that we we have on our all-time favorite list. Yes, yeah, because we don't want to have to go in and cut that later and talk about it later or something, a situation like that, or face having to have an hour and a half or two-hour podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. There's at least three games on here that I would like to talk about just because yeah. I, I do consider them some of my all-time faves. It's tough to condense it. What if we did three episodes and two two games for everybody in each or something? Yeah, we could probably do that. Yeah. Then we can kind of cover everything. and Yeah. And mm-hmm. th- that's easy content. Easy, easy fill in right there. But this is pretty awesome. I mean, I knew Taylor was going to bring some stuff to the table that I haven't played just because it, it seemed like that. They're games I know of, but somehow I've never played any of them, but it's interesting to hear. And I would love in the future that if y'all do play them or try any of them out, I would love to hear what you think about it. And yeah, totally. And know like it, did you bounce off? Did you play it? Did it, you know, what did you like and hate about it? That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. And that's easy, easy content as well. It's good to hear why y'all like these games too. Like, especially surviving Mars, like hearing you talk about that game, hearing why you like it definitely kind of, it would shape my experience going into the game and maybe looking at it from a different perspective about, of, you know, the difference between us and what we like about different games. Yeah. And it helps you, helps you overcome assumptions that you might have about it otherwise, just from a quick description or, or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's much better to see these things from, from y'all's perspectives, you know, got me excited to go play some gears again too. Like that's, uh, that's something I need to, especially five. I need to go tear that shit up. Oh, yeah. And they're short, man. Five. It's probably like 12 hour campaign. Oh, so that's easy. It's not going to eat up a ton of time to, to get through the main story. We do that as like a co-op playtime or whatever. We got to come up mm-hmm. with a good name if we're going to start doing stuff like that. That's a good idea is to have a kind of catchy name or whatever, you know, like come play Friday or play day or something. We'll come up with something. <laughs> come play Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Come, come uh, on. Friday, I get what you're play. saying, but that was awful. <laughs> yeah. That was awful. Dude. That's. <laughs> I'll keep working on it. <laughs> Word. Will you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? I, I'm definitely excited to have some time to think about some more favorites because I have some on my list here that I got a lot of honorable mentions that I could definitely talk more about if, if we had more time. So if we give more time to it, then there's some other things. I think for me, the, the huge piece is just a like, and part of the reason that it's fun to do this podcast is just to have another thing to connect over because that's definitely been, I think that is why I enjoy playing games as much as I do. I do love a good story. I do love like an interactive storytelling sort of thing, but I, I really like over the years, it's been, we've said it a number of times, just a way to connect with people where no matter where they are, mm-hmm. you know, as we have the privilege of having internet and Xbox live and other ways to connect with each other. It's just a nice way to like sit down and chat and then like experience the story together too for the first time. I agree, man. In some ways, co-oping with your buds and catching up on life and playing the game, it's almost like uh, you're getting the the best story of, of all, which is the IRL story. Mm-hmm. Co-oping and playing a game and completing it, but you're also hanging out with your buds and you're catching up, you know, what are, what are y'all been up to and what are the kids doing and what's this and that? Like, 
that's that's powerful games are powerful to do that and it's gives you those memories that you you might not have otherwise yeah sadly i think it's those kinds of intangibles that people who are not people who play video games very often kind of lose out on you know like if if you're on the outside crowd you just think video games are worthless there's so much community so much fantasy so much escapism and just so much camaraderie yeah yeah like there really is dude and and it's you could say escapism and to one person that sounds like bliss and to another person it sounds like laziness and right right exactly so weird man they really are amazing i've i've been chomping at the bit for something good co-op to come out just because Lately, it's been tough for me to, to like I've mentioned before, justify hopping on a single player with no other intent other than I'm just going to burn some time. So I've been really wanting some good co-op experiences to come out so that we can just link up and and catch up. And I mean, there, we've got some in the pipeline, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully Halo, that would be a good one to get into the infinite. If we can get on that co-op, I want to see what happens when I shoot a co-op partner in the face with a uh, tether hook. See how that works out. Yeah, no, I'm excited to try that out. And that's that is supposed to be in uh, one of their early release phases right now in one of their flights. So could maybe maybe potentially get on that. But also a game that will come up in my favorites list next time. Just just I'm going to call it now is I am going to take eventually. Yeah, because I have so many hours on that game. Do it. But recently that that mod finally released. Oh, we're doing that shit. I'm curious to check that <laughs> We're out. Doing that, so buddy. like we probably really need to get on that yep. too. Yep. I'm down with that, man. Totally. So I think they've said that it's best for like between two and eight players. What? But they have It's like, not just two people? So they have load tested <laughs> it for like twenty-five to thirty people. And as long as you've got a good system, like you could still do it. Do they compensate for the amount of people? Like, are there more enemies I don't, and stuff? Or are you just going in and there's like two skeletons <laughs> that are getting whiplashed by 20 people i don't know man i don't know i just i need to check it out because i need to know i've seen people play earlier versions where it was still really really buggy yeah that's what turned me off too it seems to have gotten to a state where it's playable and they thought it was good enough for release so i'm i'm definitely wanting to check it out oh i am game i'm gonna be bringing up that's gonna be one that that (laughs) i'm doing in the next one same kind of stuff. I mean, I want us to play that and I want to, I haven't played it in probably at least six months since the last time we got on there, but I would love to get in there, check out the DLC. If I remember correctly, all their DLC is absolutely free, which is amazing. So you can play that for free, DLC for free. So that'll be one that I'm bringing up. Nice. I think it's going to be awesome to continue this conversation and not try to limit it to a single episode just because I think, I mean, I have three other games plus honorable mentions on my list right now that I don't even want to mention if we're going to continue the conversation, but I think it's probably a good idea to do so because we we can just do this shit all day. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It's awesome to hear and just reminisce about these games yes. and to anyone listening. Thanks for joining us and listening to us just talk about our favorite games and just kind of like, yeah, just hanging out. Right. If you're here, then we definitely appreciate that and appreciate all the support. We hope you'll come back and listen to future episodes. So until then, take it easy. Peace. Later. Berries and Blades is an independent podcast created by Joseph Bullard, Willie Garza, and Taylor Garrett. Thanks for tuning in and consider subscribing if you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can also support us by telling your friends about the show. And we hope to see you in the next episode of Berries and Blades. Until then, thanks again. You are now listening to DBX 5XXX. Did that sound like Tom Cruise? Like you're fucking watching War of the Worlds too?